Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Clapped Out Moto Hour. Today on the show, we have Robert. Hey! Chris. What up? Danny. Hey! And joining us all the way from Eugene, Oregon, Daniel. Hello. All right. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Not yes. bad. And I'm kind of bummed I'm not getting any of that snow you guys are getting up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's buck over here. Robert and I are missing out. It's pretty buck wild. I don't know if you guys want much of this. Although it was fun. We had a, all the neighbors were out tractoring, plowing. We were all drinking, talking. It Shoveling was pretty fun. Snow. Kids were playing. I heard, I heard your neighbor pulled a tractor out of the out of the garage. Yep. What? Well, pretty sweet. Yeah, diesel tractor. It was it was pretty great. We were talking about that. I fixed him up a little uh, shovel. He had a little shovel attached, banging on the rail, cut an old motorcycle tube up, tied it up, got him fixed up. Nice. So yeah, welcome to the show today in that kind of uh, spirit. First, from the top, ooh, let me back up a little bit. From the top, I just want to say a couple shout outs that we've gotten over the week uh, from people who are listening. First shout out to Joao from West Brazil. If I'm getting that right, Joao, let me know. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, Joao built a custom tractor with his dad. Runs on a very popular 150cc mill that you kind of see all over Central Tight. and South America. He built this like actual tractor, now that we're talking about tractors, uh, that him and his dad use on their farm there in Western Brazil. So again, thanks for tuning in. It's always cool to have uh, listeners from far away. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I watched that video. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely, definitely awesome stuff. <clears throat> And also a big shout out, longtime friends of the show, Jamie and Mondo. Uh, thanks for listening to us down hey. in the bay. We love the CT90 picks. Uh, it's awesome to see you guys still ripping around on that thing. And it's rad. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, today's format, you know, is a little bit different than what we've done in the past couple episodes. Uh, we really want to tell some stories. And these are kind of our favorite stories from the trail uh, or from the road. And kind of the theme that we picked was sketchy lines or maybe that trail that challenged us just a little bit. Um, but we got out to the other side of it, made us a little bit better of a rider. But first, as always, what is on that bench today? Did you get a ride in? And let's get a check in with that ratio. Danny, where are you at? Uh, the ratio has decreased now. Um, <laughs> since uh, today I picked up a 1966 Honda Cub. Um, Hey. Originally a 90cc engine, but bored to 103cc. So a nice get that thing number. running. Yeah, you know, just normal. So let me pause this really quick. You're you're our patented uh, moped guy. You know, not anymore. Not anymore. We peer not pressure anymore. You to a motorcycle. No, it's not peer pressure. It's one of those bikes that I've wanted to get since I've seen them, but they're always fucking insanely overpriced, in my opinion. But one came up for a good deal, and I just couldn't pass it up. And he tossed in that uh, 125cc life end motor, so. Nice. Yeah, those, can't beat it. those life ends also everywhere with that 150 overhead cam that uh, Joao put into the tractor. Those 150 overhead cams and the 125, it's the horizontal life end, right? Yeah. Yeah, those things are everywhere throughout the world, so that's cool. Yeah. Robert, yeah, where are you um, at? Oh, hey, sorry. No, it's still jump, going. No, jump the gun. It's still my turn. <laughs> um, so on the bench, uh, still that derby and now the, the Cub. But last week after we recorded our episode, I was, I was feeling inspired. So I went in and, and worked on the derby for a couple hours in the garage. Yeah. So progress has been made. I think I'm at the point where I just need to put everything back together and see where we're at. 
So. Nice, nice. That yeah. is exactly what the show is, just uh, pressure enough for us to actually get off our ass and do something about our projects, which leads us to Robert. How's it going <laughs> over there? It is going exactly the same. No progress this week. Uh, pretty caught up with work. Uh, got some wiring done, a little more. Um, actually, was really focusing on getting wiring done in the garage that I'm working in. Put in a light, put in some extra outlets. Um, but other than that, work's been pretty slammed. Um, for those listening along at home, uh, I work at a COVID testing lab, and we've been pretty swamped. Uh, so this times. week was just working, not a lot of working on anything on the bench, sadly. So everything's where I left it. Um, three projects just looking at me someday. I thought of you because there's been a uh, post that's been circulating around some of the groups I post in of a guy who is walking down a street um, with a Husky 450, an old 450, and everyone's kind of like, is anyone missing a 68 <laughs> WR450? Because here's a guy pushing it down the road in Seattle. So it was a uh, very hot post people were talking about. It's kind of It was in really, really good condition. Oh, did, yeah. Damn. Yeah, wow. this might have gotten swiped. It's Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, and one of the things that's kind of a bummer with the old Huskies, in my opinion, is that there's such a market for them that they all get um, they all get restored. They all get fully restored. And I'm not against, obviously, I'm not against restoring a bike, but they end up becoming little, like, showroom bikes. Uh, you don't see anybody riding them, which um, is not what I intend to do with mine. So, sorry, <laughs> vintage Husky buffs out there. Uh, someday there will be a 71 400 cross uh, with probably incorrect paint colors ripping around uh, Los Angeles. We'll see what happens. It's still going to have the red and chrome tank. Yeah, not right? going to change the tank. Um, oh, yeah. Going to try to, I mean, I'm going to try to stick to everything, but um, I do intend to ride it. Righteous. Chris, work on anything this week? Um, still doctor's orders to not touch anything with weird chemicals that includes all things motorcycles but i am spinning some wool so i can have some warm shit to wear while i am riding next season the cold weathers so i have to say my homemade wool socks are my favorite riding sock because they are ventilated but they keep me dry yeah daniel work on anything do any sweet rides this week um no actually uh this is i I do like a weird schedule that flip-flops and this week is uh pretty slammed and the weather's been pretty terrible and uh i feel like i got my motorcycle clout so i don't need to prove to anybody that i can ride in the rain so (laughs) (laughs) so i just uh i just ride i just drive the parola to work right now it's really it's a pain in the ass to pull the bike out for a three minute ride to work so yeah um i do feel bad though i didn't even start it this week my uh my XJ, which I feel like I'm a bad motorcycle daddy for, but um, I have two bikes. I've got a 1982 Yamaha XJ650, the Maxim, the cool Japanese nice. cruiser, um, and I've got a uh, 94 XR650L that's currently out of commission after my last trip, and it's been sitting for a couple months now. Uh, still runs, but uh, it looks like it's a two-stroke because it's uh, roasted, <laughs> so I need to do some work on it, but it's uh, gathering the motivation to do that. Um, so just sm- just smoking a little bit, <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, still yeah, yeah. running. And you well, know, you know I, hear, show. I hear oh, so. when snow's on the ground, it's the perfect time to pull an engine. Well, there's no snow here, my friend. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no. You guys didn't get any? I'm surprised because they got some in Portland, right? 
we got yeah we got sleet down here but the the snow landed as far south as corvallis oh interesting okay didn't get to us no snow but here on the show daniel you know we measure our ratios as running not running it sounds like you've got two running out of two that makes you the winner the winner (laughs) (laughs) there's no prize but you win thanks you win you win two running bikes Two hey, running, running bikes. bikes, yeah. <laughs> the pride of knowing that you have two running bikes. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll get there to those valve seats or cooked rings or whatever they may be. Uh, you know, probably both. No big but, deal. Yeah. It's just the standard XR life cycle. After forty years of ownership, things <laughs> <laughs> go bad. Tail as old as time. Yep, yep. That was one I have experienced as well. And to round out, I've got let's see, I've got the WR on the bench, so my Woods bike project. Um, it's I've got it running with the new carb. It's very finicky. It's fouling plugs like crazy. Even just kind of uh, breaking in the carb and trying to figure out the jetting. It's also been uh, I read a lot of so I bought a u uh, not a used I bought a new copy of a Kian. PWK 38, which is kind of the stock carb on most of the newer YZs, uh, but it's like a ripoff. It was $30, new from Amazon, and it is pretty janky. After the first takedown, I see why people say that it leaks. The gasket just completely fell apart. Uh, that was just after having gas sitting in it for like a few days. So <laughs> it's Jeez. pretty chintzy. Yeah. Um, thinking about maybe just finding a secondhand PWK uh, and doing that instead, but it is running. It fired up. I did. I chopped the plug uh, that was in there, and it's still running way, way too rich. But it's about 20 degrees outside, so it's a little hard to jet it appropriately when it's so cold. Uh, But it is running, and the WRF fired, and the XR200 was running, uh, and the DT is also running. So I'm looking at a four running, three not running. The DT doesn't count for you because that's my bike. That's a good point, as is the XR. So I guess I'm back two running to about three or four let's say three and a half Still better. so two to three and a half i'll take it well you've all got me beat so you know <laughs> it's all right you'll get there and you'll have the coolest bike because i think those huskies are pretty rad so with that we're gonna move in so tales from the trail again theme of this week is those sketchy lines we talk about those tough trails roads or otherwise uh that we've conquered and maybe even that made us better riders so with that, I'm going to let Danny start this one. <clears throat> oh, all right. Um, so about two years ago, my now fiance and I went to Vietnam. We spent a month riding from Ho Chi Minh in the south up to Hanoi in the north. And at some point on the ride, I don't exactly recall where, um, my GPS did me dirty. Um, the, ro- the roads in general in Vietnam are great. Like we, we were pretty much riding on like freeways but everyone drives like 45 miles an hour so i don't know if you would consider it a freeway um but there was one trail that we were taking it was like oh turn right up ahead or whatever and we had we had service so it was like okay cool all the roads have been good we end up down this dirt road or mud road i guess i should say um because it is monsoon season so you know that was uh that was fun uh this was like rochelle and i's uh, Rachel's my fiance, for those who do not know, those listening. Um, it was our first time ever riding motorcycles. Like we, we have mopeds here in San Diego, so uh, it was it was fun. We we got to Vietnam and you know learned how to ride a motorcycle, and then the next day spent 
or left on our month-long trip to ride. Can we get some um, details really quick? What bikes, what kind oh, of bikes yeah. did you guys ride? Um, so we were riding basically like a Honda clone. So it was like, it's basically like one of those 125cc life fans. Um, I guess it would have been a dual sport because you could ride dirt. It handled all that stuff fine, but not like not as dual sporty as as an actual dual sport. It was definitely <laughs> like they're budget bikes, but they did the job well. We rented from this company in Ho Chi Minh, and they had a couple shops all along the uh, the country, so we could stop in and get servicing wherever wherever we needed. Um, but yeah, he turned them back in in, Ho Chi, in Hanoi, so it was tight. I will definitely go more into detail, more stories, hopefully another time on this. But yeah, these uh, these roads we ended up on were just like muddy. There's ruts everywhere, like because of flowing water. And like I said, we we really didn't have any experience doing anything like that. So it was it was fun. It was a lot of slipping and sliding, but neither one of us dropped the bike, and we we made it through. We encountered quite a few very confused Vietnamese people as to why two white people were riding through their their small villages that were on the outskirts of other cities that definitely were not heavily traveled roads but um we we made it through we had a couple more wrong turns once we actually entered cities but made it to our next destination it was it was a blast and honestly probably made the trip a little bit more memorable and the the locals they they all ride that style of like 125 cc um kind of like standard motorcycle i'm I'm kind of imagining is that right uh it's it's a pretty solid mixture there's a lot of people that ride those they're they're classified as honda wins which only existed in the asian market if i recall correctly okay um primarily in um vietnam and thailand if i'm right um but the one that we were riding was actually a vietnamese clone of the honda engine so it was like specifically for manufactured in Vietnam, which is cool. Oh, right. Um, but they ride those, and then um, clones of the Honda S90s, which are kind of like the cafe racer-looking ones, and um, Honda Cubs okay. in so, various conditions of yeah disrepair. So, uh, but they all ran, so... <laughs> just a general question uh, before... You get too deep into the story. I was just curious, like, was the place that you actually rented the bikes, was that something that you knew you had, like, researched before going out there, or was that something you found once you yeah, were in Yeah, so we, we actually did some research ahead of time when we were coming up with this idea. Um, I had seen a video on YouTube a long time ago, and I was like, damn, this sounds like a trip of a lifetime. So did a lot of research, and then figured out a time where we could actually make it happen. Um, this shop had the the best deals that we could find, especially with reviews and that ability to get them serviced along the way. Um, so that company was called Style Motorbikes. Um, so definitely if you're ever thinking about going to Vietnam and spending some time riding and you don't want to buy your own bike, um, I'd highly recommend them. They're, uh, they're run by a man from Australia and he employs um, pretty much all local Vietnamese people in many, most of his shops. Um, but it was, it was super rad and we had a blast and had no no issues they uh they take your passport and then they they mail it to your final destination which was 
like it seems like it would be super sketchy and we were kind of weirded out by it but with the fact that we were able to like read the, like testimonials and all the reviews from everyone like it made it made it good and then they give you a, a copy of your passport like a nice color scanned copy so that way you can show all your hotels and hostels and no one ever had a problem with it because it seems like it's a pretty common occurrence oh. nice cool. yeah wow yeah that's pretty that's pretty much my story that we, so we took a wrong guys, turn <laughs> if i remember right you guys were wearing like boots and leathers and had all the whole nine yards for gear right you know that's a joke right <laughs> <laughs> no we uh we we were very ill prepared we were not expecting anywhere near the amount of rain that that we got i had um a pair of nikes and a pair of high top vans and it's great um you got some ankle support yeah you know a, a little padding um but it was yeah it, it got to a point where the like the weird rain suits that we had bought and that were like the very cheap like disposable ones weren't weren't cutting it so we found like s- there weren't snowboarding pants but like that kind of style like shells that were somewhat water resistant like the so pvc bought- cover yeah no but it was like it was like snowboarding pant material but mm. they weren't waterproof like they were and they didn't have padding it was <laughs> okay. just like a, a shell of a pant oh my mm-hmm. God. so we, we put those on um over whatever else we were wearing and then bought some bootleg crocs to you know up the safety even more yes. while we were riding of course hell yeah but i didn't have to dry my shoes out every time there you go we got to a new hotel or hostel so i I'd, I'd say it was worth it because it was wet and rainy but it was still fairly humid right pretty warm um, in some of the places, when we went up into the mount is mountain is areas, it was pretty cold, mm. which was we weren't. It was like a very varying temperature from south to north. South was really warm, and as we went north, it got gradually cooler. So we were expecting warmer temperatures, and then we when we got to like northern Vietnam, like near Hanoi, it, it really started getting cold. But it was fine. Like we had cold cold weather stuff with us because we were going to end up back in china and it was winter time there so we had the stuff but we just weren't prepared for the wet hmm. yeah right. so it was like we didn't have the waterproof stuff we just had the warm stuff yeah, yeah up here in the northwest we I even maybe not in the middle of summer uh and especially not living out here on the east side now but most days in the spring and fall i'll, I'll definitely pack a wetsuit or some frog togs or just some kind of you know waterproof layer because you just never know when it's going to start raining yeah, yeah definitely. definitely definitely uh if we go back which I, i'd like to go back there's a another route or another like trail you could take i guess you could say up in northern vietnam that looks gorgeous so that's that's on the list so if we go back there's definitely We'll definitely be better prepared. Yeah. No, that's sick. That's awesome. Um, all right. Cool. No. Yeah. You know, sometimes you take the road and don't know where it goes, but it's always a good time. Chris, what do you got? Okay. So I feel like this will bring some context to the running into the tree thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when me and Jordan took our pandemic expressway trip in a camper last summer um it was like the first time i was like actually riding an act like a dirt bike with trail capabilities and it wasn't the dt 
and um, we were camping in Butte, Montana, in the camper. We stayed there for five days, got some trail riding in, and it was like my first real terrain variant trail. Like, there yeah. was a rocky portion, like we had started the trail, and I was just nervous. Because, of course, when you're just starting to ride, you're a little nervous. And I'm, like, trying to remind myself, don't death grip the freaking handlebars. Just breathe. Post up. You know? Don't sit on your dang bike. Just, (laughs) you know, because there's just sand and all kinds of stuff we were riding through. And then we get to this rocky downhill portion. And I'm just... Like, Jordan's going down the rocky part. He's like, it'll be fine. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, Classic yeah, Jordan. Literally. He's like, it'll be fine. And I'm like, okay. And so, like, we're go- I'm going down this rocky part. I'm watching Jordan eat shit. So I'm just avoiding all of the spots that Jordan is eating shit by, like, not doing what he's doing, which is really good as, like, a new rider, like, observing the people you're riding with make mistakes and be like okay that's something that i don't want to do so i'm going to try to do something a little bit different and he was also guiding me like you know keep one foot on your bike and then another foot on the opposite side that's like lower so you can balance yourself which was like good hot tip for rocky shit um Mm -hmm. i made it down the rocky hill i dropped my bike once it was fine it was good it was good and then (laughs) you did good oh yeah and then there was like another point it gets a little sandier. It's kind of squirrely, a little technical, you know, a little weaving in and out of stuff. But I have pretty good balance, so I was able to do it. And then we get to this massive hill. And I was just like, there's no fucking way on God's green earth that I can make it up this fucking hill without, like, eating shit. And Jordan's like, no, nah, you just got to, like, send it. and then it'll win be, it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it. And he, like parks the bike his bike at the top after getting to it but then he like pulls out his phone so he can film me doing it and so yeah and and it's just like you know i'm like doing it i'm going up and i'm like all right don't shift down or else you're just gonna freaking stall so i'm just goosing it up the hill and I make it, but then Jordan's bike is literally in the middle of the fucking trail. So I had to bail or else I would have hit. Literally, it was like setting up me up for failure. But I made it up the hill, even though I dropped the bike because it. Jordan's bike was in the fucking way. <laughs> and then the next obstacle was... I have to interject here really quick and say it was a very... It was an interesting, pretty steep, sandy hill climb. And it's pretty hard to find out west uh especially not in the south to find really steep sandy hill climbs mm-hmm. so it was a pretty technical and it had a really strong hook to the right uh we'll, we'll post a video of it on the instagram but it was it was a pretty impressive climb i was i was very impressed by chris i was impressed by myself i thought i was gonna die because there <laughs> nice. was like a nice drop off too so if you like went over a little too far you were tumbling down the hill in a direction that you did not want to fucking go she killed me. <laughs> but the next portion was log stuff and i had never tried log stuff before and so i was just like well i'm just gonna fucking gun it and of course i gunned it over a log hell yeah toppled over nice it kind of hurt a little bit but (laughs) it was fine and jordan's like i knew that was gonna happen and i'm like yeah well you know i did it and i'm gonna learn from that but you know made it over some logs 
maneuvered some loggy portions, paused at the lake once we got down to the lake because it was mostly downhill, some rocks and sand, and I had already did rocks and sand, so I'm like, it can't be as bad as what we just did. Took a little break, had a little snack, uh, kept going along the lake, stalled in the giant puddle, thank God for my boots, bless my boots, my waterproof boots, started my bike again in a puddle, and of course it's a Honda, so once it's hot, it's hard to fucking start while it's hot, so yep. I'm just kicking my bike, being like, fucking Ooh. fuck, fuck, na 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 That's what makes it start. <laughs> you gotta yell at it. Yeah, and so, of course it starts, and it's great. And I'm just pissed because I'm just like, you know, I've been getting the shit kicked out of me this entire ride. And so Jordan's doing the thing. He's fucking with his bike because something's going on. He's like, just go on ahead with me. I'm like, fine, I'm going to do it. I'm like, I'm going to get this shit done because I'm fucking tired. And so I am just like gunning it like through this like windy technical parts of like it's a drier. The ground is a little bit harder. There's a lot more trees. And I'm like, okay, this is fine. And I'm like picking my lines. But I'm not looking far enough ahead, which is, like, the first mistake when you're, like, picking up speed. You're, like, you know, really getting into the groove, but you're not looking far enough ahead to choose your line before you, like, go into it. And, of course, I miss the tree that's coming up. And I'm going pretty fast. I don't know how fast I was going, but I hit that tree. And I dented that tree. I left a mark in it. And I flew forward. I hit the handlebars. Like, my chest protector hit the handlebars. I got the wind knocked out of me. I, like, I didn't hit my head, but I, like, rolled over. And I'm just, like, <gasps> like, just breathing and, like, trying to breathe. And I'm, like, okay, don't panic. Just calm down. I'm, like, you're not broken. Nothing's broken. You're okay. My bike is still going, wah, wah, just, like, still on. And then it finally fucking dies. And I'm just like, okay, that was great. And I'm just, like, standing there catching my breath. Eventually, Jordan comes up behind me. He's like, you were just going. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I went. And I hurt. <laughs> 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 and he helped me get the bike up. And I started the bike again. Made it through the last portion of the trail. And made it back to camp. And I was just like, yeah, this is tight. I got <laughs> <laughs> I got my ass beat and it was still tight. Um and that was great. I mean, it was it set me up for success for like future trails that we did because it was just so challenging and out of my comfort zone. And usually that's just how I roll is I do something really hard first and then all the other stuff just comes easier with time. But yeah, that that trail kicked my butt. And I'll never forget it. I learned a lot of tough lessons. <laughs> that was a good one. And I remember that was, uh, in case you are a listener in Butte, Montana, we're talking about Pipestone, yes. OHV, Pipestone. I uh, don't remember what the name of the lake is, but we're talking mostly about the trail that follows. Uh, there's a, the latter portion of that story is from the trail that follows the lake. We actually ended up taking, uh, I don't know what it was rated, but I would call it pretty close to a diamond. The rocky section was pretty intense. I, I even had to dab through it. Uh, I wasn't able to just rip through it, and it was it was pretty good. Loose shale mm-hmm. uh, going down. She got a sandy hill climb coming up, mm-hmm. then log hopping, and it was that kind of crooked reel where you just catch it to the side, and then your back slides out. Everyone's done it, um, but she totally conquered it, and it was uh, that was fun. I had a ton of fun at Pipestone. There were abandoned cabins, yeah. and logging claim or mining claims, and like gold dredging stuff. It's super Dang, cool. It's awesome. Got a chance. 
And if you're at Pipestone, keep an eye out on that trail that returns uh, from the, that would have been the east side of the lake back to the main campgrounds. Look for that mark that Chris left on the <laughs> Check tree. the trees. Yeah, check it the tree. You'll find still my mark from my, my hand guards. <laughs> <laughs> it was good it was it was a good trail and that next week we were at um well i guess a week and a half after that we were at prospect yep it, back here in oregon and you were killing it you were ripping through it was a completely different trail i mean it was like more technical as far as like speed and winding and all kinds of stuff but going to butte doing all of that really set me up for success for riding in prospect and being able to like keep speed pick my lines really well go up rocks and all kinds of other stuff without nice. missing a beat i th- i think when you're riding with new people you've always kind of i mean i'm not like a grizzled veteran rider by any means but i think when you're riding with new people you it's always that fine balance between wanting to push them a little bit you know to try to get those skills up mm-hmm. and, and challenge yourself and totally i've gone with people who've ridden ridden and they would be like yeah we're gonna stage like here and let's let's go hit this warm-up one really quick and the warm-up is like right at my limit or like even starting to get over my head and that's when i know it's gonna be a long day but you know if you do it with people who are supportive they'll help you pick the bike up and chances are by the end of the day you'll pick up some new skills uh, in the dirt yep daniel i want to hear about your story what is that story that you brought today yeah so um you're actually in this story um it is is probably gonna be a a common theme (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan taking newer riders to sketchy places. So to prove it, I've been I've been riding motorcycles for two years. I've been on um, a couple big trips with Jordan at this point. Um, something I learned a long time ago um, is you can't ask Jordan where you're going. Um, he will just laugh at yes. you. Yes. And um, he'll just laugh yeah, at you, and or, he'll, or he'll fuck with you. Um, those are the or, two things that I'll I think the trail goes here, but <laughs> and you can never really know if he's being serious or not. So something everything learned, is relative man i mean yeah come on so something you know what i will say ago. yeah i will say i will say as a caveat to that which is <laughs> never ask where you're going but, but i've <laughs> in all my years riding with jordan we've never gotten lost uh, I, remember, <laughs> I remember a very rocky Kinda. Baja story. That well, you're going to hear it. Don't worry. Going, you might hear two going, versions of it. Gotcha. We're going somewhere. and We're going to get there at some time. Don't worry about it. Daniel, yeah. okay. tell so, me the rest of the story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So I learned not to question Jordan. And I think at this point Jordan knows this. Um, and uh, essentially... I've gotten to this point where uh, I, I sort of just... Uh, I follow Jordan... Because um, I, I find that it's uh, it's more fun that way. And actually, uh, a little growth moment is um, because of this sort of needing to let go of wanting or needing to know where to go, where we're going next, or things like that. It's actually uh, made me less anxious on trips, and I don't need to plan every detail and sort of go with the flow. And um, just generally, like um, it, it makes you uh, I don't know more adventurous. Because then, like you see a trail, and you're like, oh, I I kind of want to go up that trail and see where that thing's going. You know. Um, sort of, sort of uh, invigorated this like adventurous side of me that I didn't know I had um, by not sticking so hard to a to a uh, like a cut plan. So um, our trip last year um, around August, Jordan and I went to Missoula, Montana, and back from La Grande, Oregon. It's roughly like a thousand mile trip, trying to do as much dirt as possible. And for the for what did we get? What did we go to Missoula for? The ox. That's right. Yeah. This is a plug. Uh, 
quick promotional uh, for the Ox. And if you go to the Ox, mention Clapped Out Moto Hour for 20% off JJ's special Wednesday nights only from 10 to 11 p.m. Mention Clapped Out Podcast and you will get 20% off your order of JJ's Chicken Fried Steak. Yeah, Once again, that's the Oxford Cafe in Missoula, Montana, 337 yeah. North Higgins. Yeah, it's, Please it's, disregard any confused looks you received. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There might be a homeless lady yelling at you when you can't get your bike started. Jordan experienced that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. It's okay. All right, all right, all right. So, so moving on. Um, so we were – a portion of this trip included the Magruder Corridor, which runs between Elk City and Darby, Montana. Elk City, Idaho, and Darby, Montana. It's 100 miles, roughly, of dirt road with um, – no gas nowhere you like there's nothing um except for some old like mule packers i guess that run the place still which is really weird but um but basically you're going to run into gs riders you're going to run into the the people doing their like overlands with like their jeep gladiators and their f-350s and like doing all the things and then you'll also run into the crazy idaho guy that like is just like the idaho cowboy who's like a 90 year old man wearing like all black and like a cowboy hat on like an XR 200. It's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We witnessed all of the things on that trail. It was pretty ridiculous. Um, but getting to the actual the actual trail, um, beyond Jordan almost catching on fire because of gasoline spills and all sorts of other debauchery <laughs> that happened. This trip, this, this trip, this yeah, trip we're just going to pass over that. This trip was a shit show. Okay, Jordan almost caught on fire. He couldn't get his bike started. My bike almost no. roasted. It was just a whole thing. But there's a specific part of Nagruta Corridor um, called, uh, there's a watchtower at the top. It's called Burnt Knob. Um, and overlooks three lakes. And for those who aren't familiar with that time about last year, is that entire part of Idaho was on fire. Um, there was so much smoke, it was insane. There were We were passing forest service trucks up there. We also left a gas can for them <laughs> and uh, a bunch of other stuff. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we're, not, we're just going to gloss over that. We got to edit that out. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so there's this portion called Burnt Knob, uh, and it's, uh, what would you say, Jordan, the grade on that road? The, the the steepness steep it's steep <laughs> it was very, very steep. it was steep it's very steep with some of the sharpest rocks i've ever seen in my entire life um and the biggest rocks uh and to this point i've never i'd ridden maybe maybe a hundred miles on dirt um in like this the eight months or no sorry the about four months i had my bike and um the the xr uh 650l and so Jordan just then takes this really gnarly like left-hand turn um, and just goes without saying much to me. There's some folks down at the bottom of the hill who <laughs> were like pop tire and everything, and I didn't really think much of it. And uh, he just starts going. And so me, as somebody who just, I, I've, I've kind of learned to, uh, to just send it. And uh, I just follow Jordan <laughs> up the hill. And as I, as I, I quickly realized this hill is... <laughs> far beyond my far beyond my skill level um and i am quite literally if you've ever heard the term like gumbying up a hill that was that was <laughs> and if it wasn't if it wasn't for the xr which with a 13 tooth front sprocket and a 45 tooth rear i'm pretty sure at one point i was running like under 200 rpms like i could hear the engine individually like it was like almost one a second like that thing literally carried me up this hill 
Um, it didn't die. It was geared once. pretty tall. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I didn't drop the bike. I didn't fall, but I was like holding on for dear life while this bike <laughs> basically carried me up the hill. And uh, it was about uh, what is that? Like a mile and a half, maybe two miles of just maybe not quite not it, about two miles. Yeah, yeah, of just straight up rocky bullshit is about all I can call it. Um, and <laughs> it was intense. And I got to the top. I was gassed. I was. I mean, it's middle of summer. There's smoke everywhere. You can't breathe. And we're at the top of this lookout tower. And there's a family up there with their uh, their lifted forerunner, and like they're all having a good time. And I get off the bike <laughs> and I yell at Jordan. I said, "I have no business being on this trail." I said, "How dare you?" I was so angry. <laughs> I, I, he was I yelled at, angry. Yeah, he yes. was. I was very angry at Jordan. And to top it all off, the view fucking sucked because there was so much smoke up there. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> a great a great view of the smoke. Of the smoke. Yeah, you could see the lakes, but that was about it. But, yeah, you can see the lakes. But it took a minute. I calmed down. Jordan and I ate some jerky up there as uh, he, as he's reminiscing about how beautiful the view used to be. And it's usually <laughs> worth it's usually worth the trip. Rubbing up. salt in the wood. Last time yeah. it was really nice. Yeah. It was beautiful. And, it's uh, at the top of a saddle. I believe that point is, I believe the highest point, Daniel, that you and I have both ridden to hmm. at roughly eight thousand. I want to say it's about eight thousand nine hundred feet, almost nine thousand feet. It's uh, it's pretty far up there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It was, but but like I said, it's because of that trail and me going through and doing that um, with you know, basically Larry the Enticer in the back of my brain, um, <laughs> carrying, <laughs> me, carrying me through that. Um, that I I became a better rider because of it. Um, and because and and like, I think. As Jordan was mentioning, you know, having a more experienced writer to sort of like challenge you and take you through things, um, he wouldn't have taken me up there if he didn't think I could handle it. Um, he's seen me ride; he knows my my skill level or natural ability, as it were, to ride. And um, yeah, I made it, and it was fucking insane. And I hated him for it at first, but I'm really glad. And, and now, when I go ride OHV trails with him and other places, um, I see rocky hill climbs like that, and I don't bat an eye. I just, I just fucking send it. So um, that's damn. Yep. Um, also, you, just real quick, <laughs> real quick. Um, <laughs> other things, to just quickly glance over on that trip too. That was also um, there was a lot of firsts on that trip for me, obviously, because it was my longest, <laughs> my longest. It was six days that we spent out. Um, and Jordan's bike was having all these issues. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, he tore the bike apart like three times. Basically, got to a point where it wasn't start. We we had got stuck in Missoula for an entire day because he. This was was he, this the 650L? No, this was my 450. Oh, yeah, this is his 450. No battery yeah, no. issues this time. No, it was a uh, well. Everything it was else. A, it was a bad ground and carb issues. I think. Oh, so this the has problems. followed you the bad grounds. Yeah. Yeah. Bad grounds. I have a history of either buying bikes that have shoddy wiring or doing shoddy wiring <laughs> or, on my bike. Buying bikes with perfectly fine wiring that and then, then end up having them. shoddy wiring. And then, and then wiring really. is not my specialty. If you're nope. listening, maybe this is your first time. I'm not a professional. We're not professionals. We're nope. just DIYing it and hoping it turns out the best. Yes, I had quite a few problems. It ended up at the very end of it being a uh, clogged pilot jet. I'm sure Daniel's going to tell the rest of that. Yeah, story. yeah. So I, I wanted to mention the part of the story. Um, another part that made me a better rider, I think, um, just learning how to be adaptable. Because there's, you know, especially when you're on a trip that long, you know, you try to stick to a timeline, you know, because you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to come back the day before I have to be back at work. And like, 
everything else, you know, you're really running it down to the wire. And of course, we have all the problems that you could possibly imagine. And um, Jordan's bike dies in Missoula, wouldn't start, he pulled it apart. I'm like running around Missoula, literally a city I've never been to in my entire life, with no like any navigation whatsoever, trying to find the O'Reilly's and like getting them parts and everything I can to do. Um, <laughs> finally get it running, we, we get out of town and we, um, we end up hitting the Lolo motorway, which is really cool. Um, had all sorts of issues up there and uh, got down to the highway, which runs to um, Kuskia, Idaho. And that's where, uh, above of all things, of course, that one of the common themes of that trip was Jordan running out of gas, which um, is just, I pretty much come to just know and about just him every time I ride with him. <laughs> Jordan has been running out of gas for every vehicle he's owned since he was 16 oh, years old. Yes. I have known him for so long, and every single time we're like this close. Yep. And yep. he's like, it'll be fine. It'll be yep. fine. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Running out of gas, in my defense, it has happened to me quite a few times as I try to, uh, I think I can make it. Uh, Don't I, worry, has, I know my car, we can make it. It has, <laughs> I'm just remembering that one. It has uh, introduced me to some wonderful people along this the way. True. I'm not Amen afraid to, to stop and smell the roses. That is right. Daniel, I know you're, you're going to tell me all about that right now, though, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so so we 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 ran out of gas, or he ran out of gas, I should say. Um, and then, of course, on top of this, is having the issues of his bike not wanting to start. And so it was it was it was literally like a bolt. It was such a pain in the ass. And we're twenty miles away from the nearest town with gas. Um, it's Syringa, if anybody knows where that's at. Um, that's about where we died. Um, and so, without many other options, I decided to ride ahead to Kuskia and fill my bike up with gas. Um, and then come back to Jordan and um, was able to get some fuel, rode all the way back to Jordan. It's getting dark. It was getting pretty sketchy. And we put some gas in this bike and it just wouldn't start. So, of course, us being the um, MacGyvers that we are, decided that the best option was for us to tow him back to Kuskia and try to get a spot at the hotel. And um, so I towed Jordan with my XR650L. 20 miles back to Kuskia, um, which actually, surprisingly enough, on a highway was not as sketchy as you might think. It was I actually felt nah. pretty stable. It was it was not bad. Um, my bike was overheating though because like it was just really having a hard time. There may have been separate issues involved. It's an XR. It can do it. Pulling into town, it got so hot that it died. Um, which I later learned was because I ran it out of oil, which is of course the roasted valve seats and everything else. Um, but we get into town and we get some food and we're kind of figuring out what to do. Jordan's bike still won't start. And we tried to go stay at the world's sketchiest motel, the only one in that town and uh, a bunch of people outside, but there was no rooms available. And so uh, we were basically weighing our options and uh, we, we came down to, to, I was probably going to have to ride back to the grand all by myself, which was like 400 miles, go get my truck, come back, pick Jordan up and then we'd take it home. But, uh, it, yeah, anyway, that ended up not happening because a very nice man named uh, Nathan helped us out. He told us uh, he wouldn't help us fix the bike, but he had all the tools to help us fix the bike. And uh, he said he didn't know anything about motorcycles. And then we get to his house, and he's got full garage, hot rod, three different Harleys on the bench, every tool you could possibly imagine, and all the moonshine you could drink. And him and his wife <laughs> fed us moonshine, and he got shit-faced with us and... and uh, learned us how to fix some motorcycles and it was really really cool 
Um, so now, it, now there, sorry, there's was, an argument. There's an argument to be made here about for running out of gas. Yeah, and, and also just you can not get as and much also, moonshine as you want. That's right. Also, just like not making sure your bike's ready to go um, <laughs> for a long trip. You know, <laughs> no, you get to meet some cool people. So anyway, that was my long, my very long-winded story. Um, no, that's a good about that's a good, uh, about that's a good story. Missoula trip. It was good. It's it was really one. fun. Well, it was good. It was you know Na- shout out Nathan. I'll I'll text you. I'll let you know that we have a podcast now. Oh yeah, there and you go. You'll probably ask me what a podcast is because you live on a, <laughs> a homestead, uh, a tin a tin roofed homestead or uh, homestead uh, like three miles outside of Kuskia. But you know, yeah, that's the thing is I grew up. I guess my dad used to take trips and he had no idea what he was doing and he would just throw himself into it and just see what happens. And that's always been my philosophy is, you know, yeah, you should know how to do the basic stuff and, and figure out what's going wrong. And in Kuskia, I found out it was that, uh, that pilot jet, you know, that was getting clogged. It was, I just hadn't quite blown it out the right way, but you know, it, uh, all managed to sort itself out and we figured it out. So Robert, what do you got? Uh, well, first off, I just want to give a quick piece of advice for anybody listening that if you find yourself out in Missoula, Montana, after you've eaten at the Oxford Cafe, you're going to want to take Broadway down East Broadway towards the Albertsons, and you'll find yourself at O'Reilly Auto Parts. That's O'Reilly Auto Parts, Missoula, Montana. Dot com. All right. Um, so I have a very. Uh, I'll try Are we to get against sponsorships. From this? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, because I want to throw a Harbor Freight one. I want to talk about the sextant. It's a nice sextant, and if we can get a sponsorship from it. If I could Harbor Freight, if you're listening right now, if I don't know who you are at Harbor Freight, CEO of Harbor Freight, but if you could send me a sextant, ten sextants, I'll shout out ten. whatever Harbor Freight ad you want. I just want a few of them. They look really cool. Never, I'll never get lost again with the Harbor Freight sextant. I also want the the French fry maker. Just search French fry maker <laughs> Harbor Freight yeah. right now. Oh, it's really cool. Only at Harbor Anyways. Freight. Okay. Uh, Robert, tell us. Oh, boy. Where to begin with this one? This is a great this is a great story. I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. So Jordan and I, this is another recurring theme. There I was, riding motorcycles with Jordan in the desert. And, uh, but which why desert? Am I the star? This was in uh, Baja, California. So we... we we're riding in Southern Baja, California, and um, I think this was a ride, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going off memory, but I want to say that we were riding out of Ciudad Constitución towards uh, a point on the um, Sea of Cortez side, and there's a bay there uh, called Agua Verde, and there's a road that takes you more or less <laughs> in that direction uh, to a town, uh, I think it's San Jose de la Noria, if I'm correct That's on correct. that, yeah, you're correct. Is the last town, and then you'll see if you look on Google Maps, you'll see that there is a little dirt road that goes off, 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 and then stops. So in classic Jordan fashion, we're looking over the map, and he's going, "Oh, you know, I'm looking at this road, and it's got to, it's got to go somewhere." And, and to his credit, if you look at this, if you look at the satellite view. You can see where Google is is showing you, yes, there is a road there, and then all of a sudden the road ends, but you can clearly see in the satellite images that there is something, there is a path there through some some amount of miles through the mountains that ends up at a little wash, like a river wash, that then runs a couple miles to a road 
an actual paved road that takes you to the town, uh, the little bay of Agua Verde, where they have um, things to eat. They have a beach. It looks very nice. And so off we set into the desert <laughs> to find our way uh, <laughs> on this road that maybe is there, maybe isn't. But, you know, it looks good, so we'll do it. Um, if you've never ridden in Baja California, uh, and I'm sure other parts of the world as well, this is uh, sort of a thing you'll run into a lot, which is roads that aren't really roads, roads that get destroyed, whole towns that get <laughs> abandoned or destroyed. Um, and what you know may look like an actual spot on a map that may have been a town 20 years ago, you'll talk to somebody, you'll be riding along and you'll stop to talk to somebody uh, and they'll be like, where are you going to go? why are you going down there? And you're like, it's on the map. I see it. It's a point. It's written in bold. They got to have people there. And they're like, oh, that town's been gone for 30 years. No one lives there. You want to go to this other town, 45 minutes, you're going to see it. You're going to make a left. This is all dirt trail in the middle of nowhere. And you're just, somebody's like, oh, 45 minutes, make a left, go 20 minutes. You'll see it. You'll stop. They'll give you gas. Don't worry about it. This is another one of the situations. So we can see that there was at some point a road there. And we figured, what the heck? We're on dirt bikes. If we can't make it on dirt bikes, you know, then We'll, we'll cross a bridge when we get to it. So off we set yeah. into the desert. Uh, the last stop before leaving on this trail is a little town that's really just a school and some houses and some, uh, it's like a goat, a lot of goat farming in uh, uh, Jose de la Noria. And uh, we stopped there, classic break to work on fixing the grounding issues that the nxr 650l jordan's bike was having was shorting out so we took a little break there to work on that i used to kick the battery box so it would ground (laughs) it would connect the terminal i'll be like and i'll just kick it really quick and then it would start up actually that is that is exactly what my XR was doing on the Missoula trip. See, but it, it's a time. But it, but it turns out, it, it turns out the battery was just broken, like somehow. God <laughs> damn. Every, every bike has its it starting routine. The XR 650L just takes a couple extra kicks. Kick they the don't tell you what box. kind of kicks. <laughs> um, so we're stopped there, and uh, this kid comes up out of a. Uh, there's a little ravine where there's a river there, and he's watering his goats, as it were. And he climbs up, and he's he's looking at us. He's like. Where are, you, where are you guys? Where are you guys coming from? Are you guys from? Are you guys Americans? And we're like, yeah. He goes, where are you going? And we say, we're going to Agua Verde. And he goes, what do you mean? <laughs> we're like, yeah, we're going. This is right. That's where this road goes. So this is just like a town on a road. And and we've come from. Uh, we're heading east. So we've come from the west. And you can see that the road continues on. So we're going. Yeah, we just take this road, right? And he's like, no, oh, man, the road's there's no road. And we're like, what do you mean? (laughs) He's like, you can't pass. It's not a road. And we're like, but we can see it on the map. And I don't know, like, do you think you could do it? Do you think we could do it on motorcycles? He's like, I don't know. Maybe on a horse, but I don't think motorcycles. <laughs> like, well, if, if and that's we'll, all I needed to hear. <laughs> so he's like, you know, look, I can get this thing anywhere a horse can go. Well, challenge accepted, kid. And off we shoot. And he's like, oh, but the last thing he says is he looks, he points back to his family's ranch. Very nice ranch. There's a herd of goats. He's like, why don't you guys just basically tell us we're idiots. He's like, why don't you guys just stay here? My, You know, we can give you a place to stay. We'll feed you. Just don't be idiots. And we're like, no, we, we've nah. come too far to not be idiots. <laughs> so off we go. As the sun is beginning to set, we ride off into the desert, continuing on our trail. Because we think it's only 
like as the crow flies, it's only about seven miles yeah, down to Agua yeah, Verde. Yeah, it's from where we are as the crow decline. flies, it's only six or seven miles, it and, it, and it's far. a straight. And you can see it. You can see that there's a road there, so we're gonna we're gonna go for it. So we go and we're riding for um, I don't know 10, 15 minutes, and we get up, and it's this beautiful. Uh, you're sort of riding up in the mountains, and suddenly the mountains uh, sort of end and and just kind of cascade down into the Pacific or the the sorry the Sea of Cortez. So you're standing on these mountains overlooking the Sea of Cortez as the sun is setting and the moon is coming up, and we're realizing that we're going to have to do the four mile downhill canyon ride in by moonlight. Which is fine. <laughs> and we don't really know where we're going. But it looks beautiful. Nope. It looks great. Yeah. The bikes are running great. Everything's going well. So, you know, we've made it this far. And uh, we're running pretty low on water. And maybe running a little low on gas. And I don't think we have any food at this point. Well, we have some, a little bit of food. We'll get to that. So off we go. And this, um, in, in keeping with tradition, this if, if Daniel's Hill... Uh, we would be described as steep. This would be described as um, inverse steep. So we are like full bricks, just like making our way down this like 45 degree incline, single track, just like winding down. Beautiful, really awesome, cool riding, just like kind of gravel. You're just like moving down through this canyon towards the ocean. And uh, to kind of cut a long story short, we have to pass through like some um, some wire. We have to pass through a wire gate with a do not cross sign. I'm thinking like, God, we're going to end up in some like cartel's backyard. And you're going to be like, what are you guys doing here? And we're going to be like, us? Oh, so we just, the kid said this was the way to get there. Talk to the goats. And um, so we're following along. And lo and behold, uh, we find ourselves at... Uh, what the kid was talking about, which is, um, I mean, think about two or three miles from the bottom of this trail where it meets uh, the river wash, there's there's a probably 200 foot, I don't know, two, 300 foot portion of road that's just gone. And I mean, like, gone. it's gone. There is no, there's road and then there's no road. And somebody's bulldozed a berm in front of it, like a four foot berm of just dirt and gravel and rock blocking it off. Very obviously telling you don't do this. <laughs> but at this point, I mean, it's night. Uh, we just rode down probably a couple miles of pretty steep, again, like gravelly rock. We're not, we have no desire. And I realistically don't think we would have had the gas to turn around and make it hoof it back out um, to where the, where we had talked to the kid. So, we in lieu of we just sort of park the bikes and we give ourselves a second to think about what we're about to do, and uh, I have the good idea that I think you know we should walk it and make sure that this actually the road continues that it doesn't get worse because basically what we have is we have this big berm and then it drops about um, I don't know what six or eight feet. It's six feet. Yeah, yeah it's like it's a six a foot straight s- drop, like vertical drop, drop, and then you just have boulders, and I mean like like boulders there is no road there's just like car sized boulders for the next 200 feet and then you can see the road again the, this dirt trail continues again so he's like well if we can get the bikes past this part and this is as bad as it gets we can make it the rest of the way so we think what we'll do is we'll park we'll leave the bikes here we're gonna we're gonna hike it we're gonna hike the whole way down and make sure that if we get the bikes past this point we can make it the rest of the way down then we can ride then it's just gonna be river it's just gonna be like a washed out riverbed we've ridden through how god knows how many miles of sandy riverbeds at this point so that seems like a no that seems easy we'll just take that to the co- to the coast and then we'll be fine so park the bikes we're hiking down we're in like I'm in uh, these uh, 
MSR like adventure boots sort of like, like Chris was talking about I think last episode they're kind of like a mixed so they're reinforced but they have a little bit of flex to them Jordan's in like full moto like MX boots <laughs> and here we are hiking two miles down a canyon in the middle of the night realizing that we're pretty much out of water we like all the way to the bottom there's one other kind of dicey section where the road is just washed out over it um, but then we go the rest of the way and, it, and it's all there. So we go, you know what? We get to the very bottom, we see the riverbed and it's just sand and we go, oh, perfect, let's do it. <laughs> the course, then we have to hike back up. So we're hiking two miles back up again in MX boots and yeah. just slogging. We are out of water. There are very much profanity is being used. Um, we're just like out of it. We've been riding. I mean, we've been riding all day. Um, we get back to the bikes and we're like, kind of once again reassessing at the point of no return because we know that once we get the bikes over this drop there's no like we're committed we're in it to win it um so we give ourselves a snack break all we have left literally all of all of our food and water we're out of water all we have left is a bag of corn tortillas and a jar of peanut butter so So we pull out a portable stove, we heat up some tortillas, we make some tortilla and peanut butter <laughs> rolls, I guess, for lack of a better name. <laughs> and we're just for kind energy. of like sitting there for energy and uh, just fit to be tied. But what are you going to do? And uh, yeah, so we do it. So pack everything up, get on the bikes and literally spend the next four hours just carrying the bikes over these boulders and for context jordan was on a an xr650l not a light bike uh, i was on a, a dirt version of a dr350 not heavy not light um maybe like two what is that bike like 250 260 and then obviously we all have like full gear we're loaded up we have like our our um, sleeping bags and our bitties and all this stuff on it um So, I mean, physically two people, one bike, we are like carrying these over car sized boulders and trying to and like getting on top of a boulder and be like, okay, I think I can, and making it like two feet and just like literally slow motion, just like falling to the side. Um, I, at some point, I think at some point, this was the part of the ride where this is the first time I think this happened in the whole thing. At some point we were both pinned under motorcycles <laughs> we both tried riding both pinned and we're just like in the middle of the night just shouting into the wilderness as we're both stuck under our respective bikes like 20 feet away from each other a trap between boulders i broke my hand in like four places i cracked my gas tank which you will remember if you listen to the last episode later patched with soap uh, somehow, magically, Jordan's 300-pound bike came out unscathed. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I also just want to mention that I'm pretty sure even if Jordan wasn't under a motorcycle, he probably would have just watched you under the bike. And <laughs> well, it builds, car- it builds character. This was no. a team this was, this was all the yeah, way. Yeah, this was a whole... Uh, and, and he owed me because I think I picked his bike up off of him on a different stretch it's of true. this. Um, which was a fun ride too but so (laughs) another we're just like i i I kid you not when i say that i think this was probably two or three hundred feet it's gonna get longer the more i talk about it but it's like two or three hundred feet of boulder and i this took us like an hour to get to clear because we i mean we i'm not joking we had to lower the bikes like six feet just one person at the top one person at the bottom like hand over hand with the tires like rolling the bikes down and then literally like just pushing them over boulders pushing ourselves picking each other up and like moving one more rock and then falling and then picking it up and moving and falling. And there's like, it was just a nightmare. My bike's leaking gasoline. Um, 
and we finally get past the section and so we're like on the road and it's like okay and i mean again for context like we've been riding for probably i don't know 10 12 16 hours or something at this point we have no water we're exhausted just like super over it and we're not making good decisions clearly (laughs) and we get back on the bikes and they're of course both running um and we start moseying down and like things that would be simple i mean we're on just like regular gravel single track and i mean we would go you're just exhausted. I mean, you'd go like 20 feet. And as mm. soon as you had to like navigate around the tiniest obstacle, just like literally just like plant, just flopping over on the side <laughs> oh, and just like no. done. So tired. So we, we just slowly, I mean, over a course of hours, we make it back to the, we make it down to the bottom, winding down, winding down. We get down to the bottom. It's like, finally, thank God we've made it. We're here. And now we just have to ride through the sand. No big deal. We're just going to like, pin it and just ride through the sand all the way. It's going to be another mile or something as the crow flies. We're going to get to the coast. It's going to be fine. Everything's good. We get on our bikes and we like turn and had not thought previously to make sure that this entire river wash was actually sand and was not just more boulders. And it turns out it was more boulders. So it is like 50 feet of just like nice, pleasant white sand. And then it's just bolded. And I mean, like, again, not car size, but these are probably like, I don't know, overgrown big, pumpkin, like big, big boulders, boulders, like it's huge boulder. Yeah. Field. Like three, 400 pounds, just like boom, 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 just a boulder field. And uh, it's just like, fuck. I fell. You can tell it. I fell, and I <laughs> so, was like, "So we we're facing. Fuck we're this, just looking. I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> so we're just like. I mean, at this point, it's like we're just staring. I don't even know what time it is. We're just like looking, and it's like, "Well, fuck it," and just send it. And Jordan goes. I watched Jordan go like fifty feet, and he gets to the first boulder, and just like literally, like a like a like a one frame fall, just like <laughs> right on his side. It's just like, like that's it. I'm done. Done. I'm die here. I've got it. This is put the headstone. I'm done. Robert, and he though, is, with I think, clear throw, head. threw his motorcycle helmet off, and uh, was just like. That's it. It was just like literally under his bike, sitting under his bike, just like, I'm done. I don't care. I'm not going to get up. I'm not starting this bike again. I'm not going to ride over a single other boulder. I don't care. And, uh, oh, my God. I gave a very rousing speech, I think. Um, that was good. I was like, uh, you know, like what are our options? You know, we're not going to sleep here. We're not going to die here. Our only option is we're going to hike out to this stupid town and we're going to get somebody to give us a truck and drive us back in the morning to get these bikes. He's like, oh, I'm not leaving my bike. <laughs> so, so, yeah, then we got to ride them out. Then we got to ride them out. So we pick them up, I think, after, after some time to think it over. And uh, I was kind of walking around and I noticed when we, come da- when we came down, where the trail ended, it hit the wash and... At a, at a um, perpendicular to the wash, there's you could kind of see a little trail that went off, but you couldn't tell if it just went back into the wilderness or where it went. And I said, well, there's a trail. Let's check it out. So after much convincing and much kicking and much pushing, we get back on the bikes and we ride off to this trail to go check it out. And uh, lo and behold, it slowly meanderingly takes us to the road that takes us to the town. And we are just like both so fit to be tied that you could just every time, I mean, we're riding on this little trail and it's just like another like single track and it's kind of intersecting the river wash. Um, but it's like a nice, it's a fun trail during the day not exhausted. It would have been a, a great ride. Uh, but we're like done on empty and every little 
berm up, I see Jordan like get to a point and just stop, and I see him start to tilt over, and I have to jump off my bike and run up and like grab him and push him up to level ground, and he's like, okay, and then he rides, and then I have to get back on my bike and catch up. And I think there was some point we were riding, riding for another, I don't know, whatever, 10 minutes, and all of a sudden you could just feel it. You could feel the, you could feel the ocean in the air. You could like feel that you were getting close to the ocean and you could smell it and you could like taste it. And all of a sudden we're both just like, okay, we're gonna make it, we're gonna make it. And we're riding, we're like, okay, we're gonna make it. And lo and behold, we make it to the road. We make it to Agua Verde. It is like midnight or something. I don't know. We get to the beach, throw our bikes down, say forget about it, just like pass out on the sand. Uh, And it was, yeah. And that was that. Leaking gas tank and all. Uh, no one, no one believed us when we told them that we took that road. Down that's right. That's morning. right. So, uh, so the next morning, as the 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 end of I guess of the story. So the next morning, so we we pick the bikes back up and leave them in the sand, and we we fall asleep. And the next morning, we wake up and we go to uh, get breakfast at this little uh, shack. I think it's uh, Brisa 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 del Mar. Yeah, Brisa del Mar. Brenda. When you shout find, out to Brenda. Shout out if to you're Brenda. Listening in Agua Verde. Thank you. They're giving us food and water and letting us sleep on the beach. That's right. That's Brisa del Mar in in Agua Verde, Baja Sur. Um, but yeah, so we we get there and we're and we're eating in the morning and we're eating breakfast and this uh, another guy from the states is there and we're talking to to Brenda and she's going, yeah, how did you? What way did you guys come in last night? Did you take? Because there's another road. There's like a main road that that sensible people take to get to this area. And she goes, oh, you took that road down. It's kind of like crazy. And it's a little sketchy, but people can make it in like adventure vans and stuff like that. She's like, oh yeah, did you come on that road late in the night? And he said, no, no, we took the other road. And she goes, what do you mean the other road? And we go, oh no, the other one. And we're pointing back, we're going, you know, the one down through the canyon. She goes, that, ro- that road got destroyed by a hurricane like two years ago. And we're like, oh, that's what that was. Yeah, we took that one. That was the one yeah and she didn't i yes that is a classic um that was i yeah i was several hours without water i was drinking very heavily the night before that was new Year's it was day. also new year's day for <laughs> 2000 for more additional context 2018 i think it was yeah and oh man i did not bring enough water that was gnarly one of the gnarly sorts i actually went back to that area in last february and um I cannot believe I took pictures of that road. We were just too exhausted to get off and take pictures. It was the middle like of the night, and we're just like burnt out. It was out. just we just wanted to get done with it. I have a couple pictures from that night. Um, we'll try to post on the Instagram. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was. I was so dehydrated. I some of that stuff is just it's just like a fever dream almost. It's just insane. <laughs> but again, As you know, all good writing is. I've talked to many people who explore the backcountry there in Bahasur, and I haven't heard of anyone doing that road since 2015, 16. Um, so, to my knowledge, we're the only ones who have done that. That's since. right. So, don't let don't let anyone say tell you you can't. I guess that's <laughs> if a bunch listen. of people in a town tell you that you're fucking insane, maybe turn around. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Or yeah, don't. I don't know just which is the lesson it. to take there. One one lesson uh, is when the kid tells you to stop being an idiot and just stay on his family's ranch and they'll feed you. Just take him up on it. Everyone in that town told us. Uh, the the old people I talked to at the at the front of the town were just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, for a horse, and they're like, 
no. They're like, <laughs> mm, don't even. They just knew. They're like, great. There's going to be some dead Americans out here. Well, there's there was another. I think another important thing to mention is is halfway between where that town was, where we ran into that, we're into the kid, and, and we're talking to them, and everyone was saying the roads closed. Don't be stupid. Don't do it. And where this all actually happened, there was another part where there was a, a concrete um, bridge over a little wash, and the concrete bridge, not a high bridge, but just like a concrete passing or crossing over a bridge, was washed out. Half of it was like destroyed and washed out, and you could really only fit. You could only get over a good like two or three feet of pass over this wash and so part of us were like oh well maybe that's what they mean i could see what they mean you can't really get a car over it but maybe you could get a motorcycle so that's not going to be that bad and it, it was bad <laughs> it was bad <laughs> it was bad it was one of the gnarlier dones yeah robert that is an excellent one i like how i'm the star of all these <laughs> so then jordan said let's just go up this road and see what happens and then we found out and we're all better happens. riders for it you did that's you fucked right. around you found out that's <laughs> right that's right <laughs> i will always find out so i guess that leaves me i I'm going to go with another Baja story. This time, you've heard what happens when I take people on trips. <laughs> now what, hear what? Now you can hear what happens when I take myself on trips. So this was my first solo trip through Baja, Mexico. I've been through... Uh, I went through mainland alone, which was a whole other story. Lots of little stories there. But I went through um, Baja alone back in February. And this was day three three i want to say i park in uh bahia de san Jose, which is down 400 miles from the border at rubens uh robert you've been there at rubens yep. place and uh, i parked my van there that year this was last february and i loaded out my wr 450 it was pretty fresh at the time and i took it out and about three days into the ride i was down in mulahe kind of in that similar position asking people what they knew about the if you look at a map, there's a Bahia Concepcion, which is just on the, uh, like Mulahe is on the northern end of that. And on the eastern side of that, I had never heard of anyone riding in that area. <laughs> and of course, you know, then I have to go check it out. That's just kind of the way I am. I just look at roads and I'm like, well, I haven't been there yet, so let's go check it out. Um, there's no really um, roads that go to the east eastern side of the peninsula, or the eastern side of the uh, Bahia Concepcion. But there were a lot of goat trails, and so I just pulled off the side of the highway, found a goat trail that looked good, uh, unlocked the uh, fence. There's lots of little ranchers' fences there. Unlocked it, uh, went ahead and went through, and rode up looking for a um, Arroyo Los Penturas, which is like a, I had been looking for a lot of cave paintings in the area that the Cochimi people did uh, thousands of years ago in the region and i want to i wanted to kind of explore that part because i'd never been out there before i've ridden uh that was my third trip down there on a bike and i've ridden through a lot of uh, areas but i hadn't been through that area so going off of like a 20 out of 15 year old blog post from some guy who found cave paintings back there no gp no coordinates no like anything um, I split off the highway in the evening, and I decide that I'm going to make camp near the Arroyo Los Pinturas, uh, Las Pinturas, and, and I'll just kind of figure it out. I found a fishing camp, and I kind of asked them, I was like, hey, have you heard of this uh, Arroyo Las Pinturas? And they're like, oh, yeah, like, this is, the sun was starting to set. They're like, you can camp on this beach up here. 
it's just beach all the way up there's a property at the end but like you can go and i've been to a lot of places in baja california but it was like remote and when i'm saying remote i was miles and miles and miles from the highway uh and i did not it was beautiful but i did not see anyone so i'm just ripping down this beach ripping out into no man's land i have no idea where i'm going and i end up on this secluded beach it's so awesome i'm like all right i'm gonna find this arroyo las pinturas uh, the trail was not too bad. It was a little technical, but it wasn't it wasn't too gnarly. And uh, I make camp for the night. Long story short, I get awoken in the middle of the night, and there's a uh, burrow, a wild donkey, at the edge of my camp, and it's like snorting at me. And if if you grew up on a farm or a ranch, you know that like the the donkeys are serious business. Like they they'll they'll attack and they'll like run you down and bite you and stuff. And they, they do not fuck around. So I actually had, I had to make a torch, like, you know, oh <laughs> Indiana, God. Indiana Jones style. And I was like, ah, come on. And I was like, this is it. This is fucking it. I was like, all right, here we go. And I had my fixed blade. I had my fixed blade knife in my left hand and my torch in my right hand. And I'm just like, come on, come on. Like, let's just do it. Let's do it. And it just like, I could see its eyes in the darkness. It was hands down. It was, one of the more terrifying moments of my life being being miles and miles and miles out in the middle of nowhere even i was probably 10 miles from that fishing camp uh maybe five miles from that fishing camp and just out in the middle of nowhere i knew if this thing got at me you know it was, it was gonna be a long ways uh, to get any kind of care and i was just like i fought it out in the night i couldn't really get back to sleep i kind of sat around the fire like i felt like a caveman i was just like here we go this is it like this is this is what it was like Death and by i eventually I eventually settled back down to sleep, um, but I was getting pretty low on water. So the next morning I rode back to the fishing camp and I said, hey, do you guys have any water? And they, of course, they gave me some. And they also gave me caracoles, which are like these snails. It was super cool. And I just went, I was like, so where is this thing? Arroyo Las Panturas. And the, the oldest guy there, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, the cave paintings, the, like, indigenous, like, the indigenous, the native people, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's it, and my Spanish sucks, and I was just like, yeah, just, have you heard of that, and he's like, okay, one, not the first wash, not the second wash, the third wash, you ride up that, and just go up, just, just ride up that wash, you'll find it, so I go deeper into the wilderness, and I'm just, like, way deep back at this point, and I just, I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna hike around this area, I hiked around for a couple hours, and I've been drinking their water all this time and it was making me like really, really dehydrated. I don't know if it was just like boiled salt water that hadn't been boiled all the way because it was a little brackish almost, but I was just hiking way back in the back country looking for these paintings and just getting like, kind of not feeling great. Take off, ride this other road on the way back. I like jump this berm, bottom out my suspension, just barely make it from like falling off the bike. All my luggage gets thrown you know and i'm just like what the heck this is a wild day i rode back to the fishing camp because i'm getting low on gas and i'm just like what is like i'm I'm almost out of gas i just i need to get to loretto but i know it's going to be a ways do you guys have any gas and the guy misunderstood me thought i was trying to give him gas because he needed gas to get to loretto. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and i was yes. like no, no no i i need gas like i only have you know you know like solo cuatro cinco litros and i only got a few liters man and he's like oh no 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 he's like i need gas and i'm like okay so this isn't gonna work out so i ride to the next ranch and it's pretty customary in baja that most of the ranchers will sell you gas this guy's like actually out of gas both his rigs are totally dry 
I can't siphon any out of it. We both try siphoning it. I'm like sucking gas out of a hose. It's just not happening. There's no gas. So I get back on the highway and I, of course, run out of gas on my way down. Like I'm on my way to Loretta on the highway, run out. I see a bunch of people, like people from up north, you know, driving past. They have like gas cans on the back of their truck. They just pass me. I see people with like, you know, trucks with like four wheelers. They just pass me. I'm like, man, like I'm pushing my bike on the side of the road. Just like, man, can I get some gas? I end up, end up getting picked up by Federico and his boss, whose name, and the jefe, man, I'm forgetting what his name was, but they pick me up in their seafood truck and they're like, just load your bike in, man. And it's got like a four foot deck height. I'm like, all right, here we go. So we all loft my WR into the back of the ice truck. And these guys, we go, we get to the, uh, the, we're getting up to the last border checkpoint before Loretto and their bike, their truck overheats. And it's like, oh man, it's just old Ram diesel. And we like pull over, we're like looking at it. Oh, just, just, just put some water in there. We'll make it. We ended up at the military checkpoint pulling off and everyone's looking at it. It's like 10 guys all surrounded around this truck. And I'm like, nah, I got this. And I go in there and I'm like, you know, checking it, you know, putting some water in the radiator. I'm just let it, let it cool, let it cool. And we'll, we'll make it. And, uh, and I just remember going to pee and like, I was so dehydrated that like I had to pee, but I couldn't like nothing came out. It was terrifying. It was like black. And I was just like, dang, I was so close to being out in the wilderness and just, just straight up just dying in the middle of nowhere. You know, I don't think I realized how sketchy it was until I had gotten back there and realized how far out in the back country I was without having anything. You know, I had some water, but the water was kind of making me sick. Anyways, we ended up in Loretto. They bought me dinner. Uh, They wouldn't let me help pay for the hotel room. We all ended up staying in a hotel room. And it was awesome. We got some beers and we were just fucking drinking and singing you know norteñas and stuff like that and you know just jamming out and then the next morning they took me out to breakfast and the the jefe i forget what his name is the the boss of the outrig the or the boss of the whole rig the seafood company took me to the church and like blessed me he's like you're gonna make it you're gonna make it and like (laughs) like went to the altar and like got the holy water and shit and like blessed me and he's like all right you go on your way and you know it's just i don't know i guess the the thing is is with all these stories it's like you know, that was a gnarly day and, and I definitely had no idea what I was getting into when I started it, but just being back in those valleys and exploring and eating the caracoles, like the snails on the beach and meeting those people when you do break down and and getting out there, you know, you'll, you'll never know what's out there until you kind of throw yourself out there. And yeah, I mean, that's, that was it. It was, it was scary, but at the same time, it was it was so much fun. That next day, I went to Agua Verde and, and stayed on Brenda's Beach for a day, nice. uh, a night. And I rode up that road that we rode together, Robert, and it was just looking at it. It's like, I have no idea how we got down that, you know? <laughs> it was like, it was sheer willpower. gnarly. It's like Graham Jarvis level shit. So. Damn. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's I guess, the the big takeaway from all our stories is you never know what's going to happen you got to just see what sometimes you got to just kind of see what you can do be safe i guess yeah. but send you it. know push yourself yeah be safe but send it be safe but send it yeah we're just gonna send it silly <laughs> layer the enticer we love you so with that we've got to pull it back in for our clapped out pick of the week Woo! so as with last week we all picked something from the classifieds that we loved and we're just going to kind of throw it up there, talk about it, and 
You're going to have to tell me why you picked it and what makes it worthy of this pick of the week. Thank you to those who voted on our Instagram, checked out the pictures. I, you know, I thought it was a little bit robbed because I really loved Robert's uh, XR500 shoehorned into uh, YZF I think, frame. I, I thought. I think to the untrained eye, you know, it's easy to mistake it for just being a run of the mill WR250. <laughs> <laughs> It was excellent. But anyways, let's let's check out some of these ones. So, Daniel, what do you got? Show us. All right. I, uh, let me see here. Present now. A window. There we go. Here we go. Ooh, nice. Vintage dirt bikes. I like so, that blue tank. Yeah. It just says vintage dirt bike. bikes yep. for $1,000 in Portland, Oregon. And, uh, this is a Craigslist ad, by the way. Bitch, you gotta be kidding me. Hold on, point out. Hold on, there's two bikes. There's two bikes. So, the first one is a 1974 Honda XL250. Of course, Randwin Park. Gotta have a classic Randwin Park a decade ago in parentheses. Something decided to chew up the seat, question mark. Modified fork and bars. Maybe more, question mark. Maybe more. Uh, this Maybe thing has more rust more. on it than most of Jordan's vehicles combined. It's true. Um, but it, those it side knows. covers look extremely clean. Yeah, yeah. So I've got look side that. covers. Kind of it's a it's cool got thing. A, it's, a it's, got, it's still got the uh, the fender bag on it. No headlight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a ratty old Honda, which I'm, I'm all about. Uh, I, I And then his other bike here is the... Um, it's the 1972 Suzuki TS125. Uh, this one has the caveat, ran poorly when parked a decade ago. <laughs> oh, my God. At least they're being honest. Yeah, yeah right. I think it can only have gotten better Maybe. with age. 500 right. or best offer, uh, or make an offer, well, they need to go quick. 50 um, bucks. Yeah, 50 bucks. 50, 50 bucks. bucks. Just clap on motorcycles. I, I do like that colorway for the... Uh, the take on the Honda, it's got that. No, the the Honda, it's got that like Ford GT Le Mans colorway, the blue and orange. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love that was, color. It was a good, and if Daniel, if you'll remember, I had that seventy-five XL two fifty, very similar yep. to that seventy-four, and you ripped around on that. Yeah, yeah. We that was the pulled, first bucket pulled logs. We pulled logs into camp for our fire. Yep. Just tied them to the swing arm of the XL and just dragged them down right. to, our, uh, to, do to our cabin. I, I just want to point out mm-hmm. that that yard looks curiously like a yard we used to keep rusty, clapped out motorcycles. <laughs> it is <laughs> very similar. It's a classic Portland motorcycle yard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason I chose these bikes is because um, after digging a little bit, I'm not the world's most uh, knowledgeable vintage bike guy. Jordan's kind of that guy. But um, after looking into these, these bikes were kind of competing in the same market, and I thought it was just really cool. Like, this was kind of like Honda, you know, of course, back in the 70s. It was like, hell no, two strokes are out the door. We're doing more four strokes. And so they slapped this uh, four-stroke 250 engine into their uh, their XLs, which was like their, I think, 72 was the first entry into, like, the like enduro market that sort of, like, they really pioneered with this engine and this sort of setup. They really pioneered the next, like, 10 or 15 years of, uh, of enduro motorcycling. And um, the Suzuki... Um, was sort of the was like the two-stroke sort of um, Japanese bike go-to back then for um, a lot of folks, and it made it's kind of interesting between these two. The um, I think the Honda makes 20 horsepower, uh, and the Suzuki made less than like just under 10. 
Uh, Maybe. Yeah, it was just that was that was the spec <laughs> sheet. <An> optimistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an optimistic. Yeah. like nine point six or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So Ichiro really did not like those two-stroke bikes. He protested the Honda Elsinore that was built uh, without his knowledge over a course of three years, I believe, and uh, finally unveiled and was a success for them and landed on through the CR125 and 250 line. But the XLs have always kind of, you know, and then turned into the XRs have always kind of lived on as that trusty, dependable, take it down a road that everyone tells you that you can't go down road. <laughs> Uh, trail bike you know yep. and uh, another last little fun tidbit the ts is one of listeners please chime in if send me send me an email if i'm wrong but i believe the suzuki ts is the only uh line of motorcycles or suzuki was the only manufacturer to make a farm a dedicated farm bike the suzuki tf f and that was their dedicated farm bike not was still is still is that right? bike is, is still in production in certain markets very interesting. Robert, what do you got for this one? All right, let me cue this up for you. I have... Come on now. So we got a cat there in the background. A cat has joined the party. I like it. Welcome, cat. We, we'll get to the cat story after, Robert. All right, I have a... Close that. Y'all seeing that there? <laughs> yep. I have a 1964 oh, yeah. Honda Scrambler. It's a CL72 uh, from 64. Uh, was yeah. in a fire but covered up oh, not too yeah. bad but covered up. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. in a fire but it was covered up it, kicked, but it was covered up it kicks over <laughs> and the slides work great restoration project no price so i guess sure. you could kind of make your own offer on that um uh, i do see a price well the price one, two, one, two, six, six, four, five, five, six. <laughs> so that's probably what they want for it uh yeah. i'll give you a little zoom in here you know End of the day, not too bad. The seat is fried 100%, yep. but the slides on the carbs work. Um, you're going to have to replace those rubber mounts anyways. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, these bikes are starting to get really popular. Actually, the CL72s and 75s, or sorry, and 77s, the 250 and 306 Scramblers from Honda. Mm-hmm. are starting to really actually like get quite a following. Uh, a fun fact, the CL72 was the first bike to win Baja. The Baja 1000 yes. was actually built wow. around as a publicity stunt for the Honda CL72. Yep. Bud Eakins, wow. uh, at the helm, uh, ran it on a CL72. Uh, and really, they are actually cool bikes. It's a vertical twin, 250. Um, cool bikes. I think this one definitely needs some love. Um, but hey, yeah. kicks over. Carbs work. What more could you want? That it was covered. It was covered. It was, it was covered. covered. It was in a fire. It was covered. It was covered. So I'm that surprised is... it doesn't say Randwin Park. Honestly. <laughs> Ran oh before God. the fire. Maybe still does. <laughs> Those tires look all right. They hold air. So that is my yeah. pick of the week. A solid pick. Scrambler. Burnt. It's okay, though. Oh, toasted Scrambler. Covered. Toasted Scrambler. So it's probably fine. Danny, what do you got? All right. So pull this up. All right, so what I have got for you today, now it's up, is this it's listed as a 1975 Bull Taco Sherpa 350 for a whopping $3,500, which yeah. maybe it's a rare bike. I know nothing about it. I'm going to guess it is, but let's, let's check out this description. Barge, barn slash garage find 1975 trials bike. Bull Taco made in Spain. These are all on separate lines, mind you. 
<laughs> low low geared hill slash trials bike. Super low geared rare. <laughs> Put away running 1994. <laughs> Bought new at Southland Cycles Garden, Garden Grove. Grove. That's cool. Haven't run it yet. 100% perfect original complete. No trades. No trades. So it they ran it ran in 1994, but they haven't run it yet. I like it. So. That, yeah. that price I, that price seems high to me. I will say that. Just a little just bit. A, just, just a, a little bit. I think that's probably yeah. what that yeah. bike would bring in I, good running shape. But yeah, there is... I, I mean, overall, like, it's it's in pretty good shape. That's true. It is in pretty good shape. It's pretty. It, it wasn't in a fire, so... It was yeah. not in the fire. That description, though, straight-up voice-to-text. <laughs> straight-up yeah, voice-to-text description. I, I did find one that, similarly to Robert, looked like it something had happened to it. it i think it was buried underground and then unearthed and they just took a picture of it laying there now there's a big there's actually a big uh, community of people who do the vintage class trials riding and so i wouldn't be surprised if there's a good number of those sherpas out running trials yeah currently actually in present oh, yeah. and that one's i mean probably, it's, it's a great will, looking bike yeah. but i i picked it purely because of the description <laughs> yeah and, and the the price they were yeah, asking it ran for. in 94 what more could you want yeah I, I do see those T Y uh T Y? T Y the Yamaha S Y T Y two fifty trials mm-hmm. bikes. Uh built around the D T two motor, I think, or D T two fifty motor. And the S L two fifty, uh or S L one eighty five I think it was. S L one eighty five is the Honda four stroke trials mm-hmm. bike. I do see quite a few of those pop up around uh, you know, for sale and things like that. Yeah, you'll see but, um Triumph had a there's a there's a trials version of the T twenty, the Cub. Huh. Also, interesting. Yeah, well, you know, trials were hot back then. Everyone was getting into it. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Okay, so this one really made me cackle out loud when I saw this ad. Um, As any good ad should. Yes. <laughs> oh God! Oh. <laughs> I saw these. Yes. Um, so just. <laughs> Hold on, let's minimize that. Yeah, so uh, I have two off-brand 250 Enduros. They will run with some work. One of the engines is good, the other is not. I don't know what's wrong with it. My brother gave me these bikes, and I don't really have plans for them. Meh. 500 or best offer. Just make an offer. I'm mostly looking for money, I but I will take trades. This one definitely wins He's for best. Get- so many power tool offers. Oh yep. my god, it's ridiculous. And and there's more. Oh, oh, I like that one. Sweet like Jesus. Is this powder coat? Oh, no, that's going to be a rattle can job. KX yep. Fender? Yep. I, like I don't it. even know what the hell these bikes Look are. Look at that. Can you zoom in on that front fork? Look what? at it. It's doing like a little that, squiggle. That rake is... <laughs> yeah, I was say, man, it looks like a chopper rake. Yeah. It's, it's real weird. <laughs> I wonder off-brand if those brand bikes. I wonder if those are f- those look like forks off maybe a KX like a small KX, but they put them on yeah. backwards. Yeah, yep. it's like a because zoom, zoom oh, in again. Right. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, they, yeah. they flipped yeah, the they fork. Do. Yeah, they did. <laughs> oh, they totally yeah. did. Hell yeah, that one. Okay. And then look, there's there's more. Ooh, I like it. Moody, some mood lighting. I know. Mm. You can't really see what it this is. This one definitely wins for best ad copy. Really pops. It, yeah, yeah it does. the yellow definitely pops. There's a better picture of it. All <laughs> okay. Plastic gas king. Yes, think. 
Uh huh. It's it's real cute. And then see the wiring's Ooh. already out there for you. Really accessible. Yeah. They already put they already put dead leaves in the gas tank for me. Oh, no. I like yeah. that. Perfect. Get a little Perfect. planter out of it, you know. It's... Look at that kickstand. See now the engine looks really clean in that picture, other than being partially blue. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Like what the hell is it? And then the plastics. Ooh. Oh, they just the plastics. All right. Oh. Hybrid. QH two hundred GY. These are if you go back two pictures. Uh-huh. If you wouldn't be so would be so kind, one more, one yeah, right there, uh, next one. Oh, sorry, two more Ford. <laughs> this is the 200cc wildfire right hybrid. Right there. So if you look right there, if you look real close, you'll see Robert. You may recognize that dash is from a DR. These are uh, oh, DR two hundred, DR two hundred clones. That's right. So Suzuki sold their um, casting for their engines, uh, various engines, and I think other things to a manufacturing plant in China. And they make these DR two hundred clones that apparently, according to my cousin, had one uh, Q Link. I think it was. They share a lot of parts with the DR two hundred, hmm. just a lot jankier, and things break a lot more. So yeah, yeah, I like that half rattle can job. I think that's. Um, stolen and they were trying to <laughs> really quickly change the color a little bit no it was all blue that's always been like that that's <laughs> never how I, mind that's the, how uh, i bought it never mind the lime green <laughs> i don't know what's going on that i do yeah. like the flip fork this is strong contender, strong contender. To shit. Like, look or at painted red we or can't really I, tell i'm gonna <laughs> say to it looks say. like rust to me like hey you know he's got the uni sticker on there so that means it's running quality parts yeah, on that thing it's Hell yep. yeah, brother. Yeah, at least he put a good air filter in there. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Chris, that is easily a solid, solid yeah. clapped out yeah. pick of the week. I don't know. <laughs> Mine, I'm just keeping with my tradition, you know? I was like, well, I'm just going to pick something that I would want. And I just, I just can't. I don't know. I've seen some good ones. I, I definitely saw those. Um,. But, yeah, I just ended up picking on something. So let me pull this up here really quick. I'll just do my entire screen. Boop. I picked this Yamaha YL1. So these, That's I awesome. think, I'm not super knowledgeable uh, mm. on the early, early Yamahas, but I believe these were the first uh, custom flame job. It's really nice. Sick. These were the first first imported yamahas these are twin cylinders uh, yeah and wow. they are pretty neat this one is pretty knackered it's pretty beat up uh, and it has a custom flame paint job on one side not the other side that looks so like they use like whiteout paint yeah i think that might be a paint pen job not even a, a paint job. yeah yeah and the tank has been painted but you know, I just, I've always wanted to get into one of these yeah. uh, YLs. Uh, I think the other was like a YT or YS, mm -hmm. I think it was. And they're these early, yeah, they're just the first bikes that uh, Yamaha brought over. They have these like uh, outside coils for the forks mm -hmm. and things like that. They don't mm -hmm. even have damper rods. And they're just, I don't know, they're just really, really cool. I have a twin cylinder a GT185 a Suzuki in the, in the shop right now. But I just thought that was kind of neat. It almost reminds me of the, the Honda S90s or the S110s, except like a twin version of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah, a little bit. Definitely a That's little cool. bit. It's those early two-strokes. So, 
yeah, I just figured, you know, that was one of those ones I like. We'll post all these up on the Instagram, and of course, like last week, you guys can vote which you thought was the best clapped out pick of the week, but those were our picks. And that's pretty much the show. You know, we're getting a bunch of love from friends, new and old alike, uh, both from South and North America. And thanks for tuning in. If you like the show and you enjoyed hearing us banter about getting lost in the woods with Jordan, uh, you can <laughs> buy us coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash clapped out moto. Again, that's buymeacoffee.com forward slash clapped out moto. Of course, we have a goal set on there. You'll notice that if we get to $1,000, we solemnly swear that we will go out to the desert uh, with a Coleman mini bike and we will stuff a Predator, Harbor Freight Predator engine into it and we will jump a big ass fire. (laughs) So again, if you donate $1,000 to us, we will put a Predator engine in a Coleman and jump it over a big ass fire. So, you know, if you get us there. But uh, yeah, we're mo- now you know on most of the podcast platforms. We're on Apple Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and a lot more. We love those listeners' comments and questions. Thank you everyone to hit us who has hit us up on the Instagram or through the email. Um, again, that Instagram is Clapped Out Pod on Instagram, and also you can email us at clappedmoto at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into another episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. 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 See you. Here's the part where I fuck up the intro four times. <laughs> hey, Jordan, you ever think about not fucking it up? Nope.